Hello, it's Kirsty Styles here and welcome to the Weekly Economics Podcast. This week I'm talking to Sakina Sheikh from Students Against TTIP about TTIP, that's the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership. It's not the welcome a US president would hope to receive, but in Hanover in northern Germany, where Barack Obama's heading, there's anger on the streets over the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, or TTIP. The United States and the European Union need to keep moving forward with the Transatlantic Trade Investment Partnership negotiations. We're talking about what could be the biggest bilateral trade deal in history. A deal that will have a greater impact than all the other trade deals on the table put together. Obama argues the agreement would mean new growth and jobs on both sides of the Atlantic. The narrative develops that this is weakening rather than strengthening the position of ordinary people and ordinary workers. But if you look at the benefits to the United States or to Germany of free trade around the world, it is indisputable that it has made our economy stronger. Sakina and welcome to the weekly economics podcast. Hey thanks for having me. So this week we are talking TTIP and we are straight in there with a boring acronym. So can you tell us what TTIP means? Uh, Spell it out for me if you will. Yeah so TTIP which is the Transatlantic Trade and Investment Partnership um, like you said is quite a boring acronym and it's designed specifically to make us like not engage with it Um, but actually it's quite simple once you break it down. What it is is it's a trade deal being negotiated between the EU and the US. Um, Annoyingly, it's being negotiated in secret. Um, But essentially what it is, is it has three main pillars. It has a deregulation agenda, which I'll explain at some point. Um, um, The privatising of our public services, which is the second pillar. And then the third pillar, which is it sets up corporate courts. Um, So the deregulation agenda is basically this thing where it's about removing red tape so big businesses can more easily make profit but that tends to be at the expense of people. Um, Privatising our public services like our NHS, they're really vulnerable and threatened under TTIP. And then corporate courts, which is about handing over huge amounts of power to corporations, again, at the expense of people. OK, so TTIP has been in the news because everyone's talking about the EU right now, uh, with the referendum coming up in June. What role does the EU have in TTIP and what exactly are they negotiating? Yeah, so the EU basically are the ones negotiating it on behalf of all citizens across the EU, and it's being primarily negotiated by the EU Commission. Um, Again, it's really undemocratic and it's really unaccountable because firstly, it's being negotiated by the EU Commission. And so they're completely unelected. They're not really connected to the everyday person. Um, It's all being negotiated in secret. So this trade deal has been going on for two years now. It's only finally we're seeing it in the news. Um, And so even our elected MPs, like, um, so for instance, Andy Burnham, he, was, he used to be in charge of our NHS. He wanted to go to Brussels. He wanted to make sure our NHS was protected in TTIP. And he was told, as our elected MP, as our elected official, he can't see what's happening, on, happening in the text. Um, so we're really locked out of the negotiations. And you're right, it's been talked about in the context of EU. And I think we need to remember that actually, whether we're in the EU or out of the EU, we're going to be affected by TTIP. And the only way we're going to defeat these illegitimate, undemocratic trade deals is alongside a European movement that's kind of like you know, mobilising power against corporations. So the EU wants to open up trade with America. Uh, The US is obviously a really big market. 
surely selling more stuff to them can only be a good thing for our economy. You know, we struggle to sell stuff uh, to the rest of the world as it is. Mm. I mean, this selling stuff, selling more stuff, basically it's been calculated by the UK government and other EU um, bodies that this will equal £400 billion in extra trade across the EU. So I have like three, three main responses to this. Firstly, that figure has been disputed amongst the people... Um, um, there's a report by Tufts University, so that that figure itself is disputed. And actually, by their own um, by their own kind of reports, there's about a million pound a million job losses due. Um, also, suppose we didn't dispute the figure. Suppose all four hundred billion pounds of dollars came through. I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we think that that would be equally distributed across society, both in the UK or the EU. It, Wealth tends to be circumvented at the top of society. But ultimately, Kirsty, this is what it comes down to. No amount of trade is worth selling off our democracy. And that's what happens with TTIP. When I was talking to you about the three pillars earlier, so let's start with this, the when I was talking about privatising our public services, our NHS could be irreversibly privatised because of TTIP. We could also see, in fact, we will definitely see if TTIP goes through, these things called corporate courts. Now, what happens here is corporations are empowered to be able to sue a government if the government puts through a piece of law that infringes, um, that, that negatively affects their profits, even if that law is about protecting people and planet. So in, v- in Egypt, for instance, Viola is a company operating in Egypt. The Egyptian government wanted to raise the minimum wage, right? That's a great thing. We're always campaigning here in the UK for a, a living wage, a better wage. But... Because a company operating in Egypt, that would have affected their profits, they were able to sue the Egyptian government and said, no, 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 we can't, we don't want to, we don't want you to raise the minimum wage. And these courts, they're secret and they're arbitrated by corporate lawyers. So it's a clear conflict of interest. Um, so this, so, you know, no amount of trade is worth um, the, the massive amounts of power that's handed over to corporations from deals like TTIP. OK, so why do you say that TTIP is specifically threatening the NHS? Um, because basically what would happen is if TTIP went through, it would catalyse the privatisation of our NHS. Really, unfortunately, a lot of people don't realise that actually the NHS began to be privatised in 2012. If TTIP comes through, this will intensify. We'll have a very fast-tracked privatisation of our NHS. And actually, this privatisation could become irreversible, right? We could never make our NHS national again. And I'll give you an example of where this has happened before. So in Slovakia, they had a similar trade deal to TTIP, and they had... um, they recently brought in a private health um, system. Um, they realised it was a terrible idea because poor people couldn't afford to go to the doctors. So they tried to make it national again. And because of trade deals like TTIP, um, with that clause where it sets up corporate courts, they were sued. So we had private health firms operating in Slovakia who were like, no, 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 it's not profitable for us if you make it national again. So we're going to sue you for billions of dollars in these secret corporate courts so that you keep your health service privatised. So that could happen here in the UK. If we get TTIP through and we want to try and renationalise our privatised NHS, we could be sued by American private health firms who would sue us in these corporate courts. Um, and I think that is a very undemocratic um, like system to be locked into. And so you also mentioned uh, deregulation. Uh, do you want to just kind of jargon busters uh, for a bit there and, and explain uh, what you think is going on here? Yeah, just like with the word TTIP, they're just trying to make it sound inaccessible. Once you break it down, it's quite simple. What it is, is it's trying to remove red tape that businesses cur- that, are, that are currently in place that stop businesses exploiting the market in order to maximise their profits. So by removing this red tape, it makes it easier for corporations to make profit. But actually what this red tape is, it's some of the most important 
important um, safeguards in our society. We're talking about like keeping GMOs out of our food. And if it is in our food, making sure it's on the packaging, deregulation remove that. We're talking about the kind of chemicals that go in our creams. We're saying that in the EU, we have a great system whereby you have to prove a chemical is safe before it goes in those creams. If TTIP came through, they would deregulate that so that it doesn't matter whether it's been proved to be safe or not. Whack in whatever you like in creams, you might get warped when you pick something up off the shelf. And also environmental regulation. It pulls down our standards in trying to be environmentally safe and our workers' rights. It makes it harder for workers to organise and have their rights protected. Um, you know, the kind of thing that we spend years campaigning on like a decent wage like weekends these will all be undone in a minute through this kind of like global TTIP framework that's all being negotiated in secret so deregulation which is one of the biggest pillars of TTIP um, is a reason why we must campaign to stop it. Okay, so what's the latest with TTIP then? Where have the negotiations got to? You mentioned Andy Burnham went to see the documents and wasn't allowed to. Where are we at now? Yeah, so we're, we're on the 13th round of negotiations. Basically, I think if it was up to the kind of unelected EU officials and the kind of unelected US officials, TTIP would have been wrapped up and being happening in the background and, and robbing us of all our rights and we wouldn't even be realising. But because civil society are standing at the forefront and saying no to these undemocratic trade deals... Um, in the 13th round, which was happening in New York, we even had the German economic minister saying, look, this is going slow and this is not really going to happen unless we, but tr we, we get trust built in the process. Um, and he doesn't anticipate it happening because they're doing nothing to give us any kind of reassurances that our NHS won't be privatised, that corporate co courts won't come up and that... Um, the, our health and standy, health and safety standards. So when we were talking about the deregulation agenda earlier, that our health and safety standards in food, chemicals, um, environmental regulation, and workers' rights won't be compromised. Um, okay. So what then does the UK government think about TTIP? So David Cameron is a big fan of TTIP. He um, has claimed to be one of the original people who began setting up the negotiations. Um, about a year ago, he said he wanted to put rocket boosters under TTIP. Um, I think. A lot of our political um, elite um, are quite in favour of handing over um, power to corporations. To be honest, I think their 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 interests are quite closely aligned. Um, so I think the UK government have been very in favour of trade deals and TTIP specifically. Um, and I think um, in order for us to be able to, um, yeah, I think we basically just need to keep pushing and making it very very clear that. Um, this is not something that the general public, civil society in the UK or the EU want. And um, what about the US then? President Obama was bigging up TTIP on his recent trip to the UK. Yeah, I mean, President Obama is another big fan of TTIP as well. Um, I think it's very clear that both sides, both the EU negotiators and the US negotiators are fans of TTIP. What isn't being heard and what isn't being listened to is the people, the people it actually affects. We're talking about everyday citizens like yourself and I, Kirsty. Um, there's been civil society movements making TTIP-free zones across the country, across the EU, and indeed in America, saying that actually, like, something that pulls down our, our, our food regulations, our chemical regulations, our workers' rights, our environmental rights, um, this is something that's not in the interest of the everyday people. Um, so I think um, Obama's clearly in favour of it. Um, our government's clearly in favour of it, but the people it affects, you and I, um, they're not the ones being listened to. Um, I can give you an example of this, actually. So when we're talking about corporate courts, um, this this is a clause called the ISDS. Um, and a, a couple of years ago, the European Commission actually put through a consultation. So they said, all right, we'll ask everyone in the EU, what do you think of this? What do you think of corporate courts? Um, and it was filled out throughout 
by civil society groups, by everyday people. Um, 97% of people came out categorically saying, we do not want this. This compromises our rights. This enforces governments in law to put profit before people and planet, almost in international law. Um, and to this day, it still exists. It exists in TTIP and it exists in other trade deals like CETA, which is another sneaky trade deal they're trying to get in. Um, so uh, yeah, so I was just going to so I was going to ask you about uh, CETA. That this is all tied in with kind of what happens next. Uh, do you think TTIP is going to be stopped absolutely. Uh, by the countries? I do, absolutely. I think TTIP will be stopped. I think it's already supposed to be wrapped up and finished. And the fact that um, it's not, um, shows that civil society have been having really strong impacts. The fact that we saw it on the news this week shows that it's having uh, our campaigning is having impacts. What we need to do to defeat TTIP is we firstly need to stop CETA. As I was saying, it's the it's a Canadian it's a it's basically the equivalent of TTIP, but rather than the EU and the US negotiating it, it's the EU and Canada negotiating it, and it's just as harmful for us and EU citizens. So we need to stop CETA, um, and we need to use that as part of our fight in stopping TTIP. And I would suggest people join local groups. Um, there was recently a conference in Barcelona where mayors from across the EU came together and they spoke about TTIP-free zones. We've got universities declaring themselves TTIP-free zones. I'm part of Students Against TTIP. We've been working with like campuses and universities to make that happen. We've We've got local councils coming up where I'm from, Lucian as well. They're a TTIP free zone. Um, so we're seeing a real European movement fighting these, like I said, undemocratic and illegitimate trade deals. Um, so I have no doubt we'll win as long as people keep talking about it and not shying away from calling out um, the undemocratic nature of it. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much, Sakina, for joining us today to give us some insight into uh, the secret trade deal, which is TTIP. Nah, thanks for having me. We'll be back at the same time next week. The Weekly Economics Podcast is brought to you by the New Economics Foundation, an independent think tank and charity that campaigns for a fairer, sustainable economy. Find out more and get involved at neweconomics.org.